throughout our life, we make all kinds of connections. From our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourself? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with hosts Gord Riddell and Dr. Jan Hill. It's time to listen and learn. Hello, uh, welcome to another edition of Things Worth Considering. I'm your host, Gord Riddell. And my co-pilot is none other than the wonderful Dr. Jan Hill. Woohoo! How are you, Jan? I'm great, thanks. How are you doing? Good. Are you staying warm? I'm staying warm. I was out shoveling this morning, though. <laughs> that was a surprise. Yeah. Uh, it shouldn't be, but it is every time. Um, did you love having Pauline O'Hanlon on last week? It was fantastic. Yeah, she was really great. She was I real fun. A lot. Uh, I can't imagine, you know, her to lose everything at age 38 and... Uh, with two children and and just start from absolute scratch at zero, is uh, you know really phenomenal. Um, you know, there's a saying about how we have to walk our talk, and in other words, that we have to do what we say we're going to do in our lives, and that actions speak uh, speak the words that we say. Um, Pauline's an example of that. Uh, you know, she really teaches uh, um, because she's done it there herself. You yeah. know, which makes her just such a great. Uh, Great instructor, you know, which fits totally into our guest today, uh, who also fits into the walking his talk and talking his walk, uh, which is really important. You know, uh, we're going to introduce him in a minute, but, you know, we live in a time of just absolutely unprecedented material wealth and affluence. Uh, Some of what they guesstimate that's going to transfer between generations is just a staggering amount of money. Um, But, you know, commercial advertising assures us that this is the route to happiness, yet there's so many unhappy people, anxiety, depression, uh, relationship difficulties, job dissatisfaction, addictions, uh, suicide, uh, even amongst, as we well know, the, the rich and famous. So this material affluence alone is not fulfilling its promise, obviously, for happiness. So um, is there something more that we can look for? Well, tonight's guest Uh, did uh, just that. Uh, He went looking for something more, and that brought him to a place of discovering what affluence really can mean. Um, I'd like to introduce today's guest. He is the author of the book, Seven Principles of the Affluent Soul, and my friend, David Bryan. Welcome, David. It's a pleasure to be here, Gord. Thank you for inviting me. It's great. I just love your book. Um, I love the fact you spent the time to even research it and put it all together and live it, uh, which is just quite phenomenal. You know, uh, David has traveled a pretty uncommon spiritual path. Uh, after working for 30 years in the law field, uh, he gave himself a sabbatical to work on personal growth. Uh, he added the study of modern physics to his study of meditation and spiritual philosophy. He f- actually finds harmony between science and spirituality, one of the few that I've heard actually say that. Um, and says that the paradox and the mystery inherent in science helps him to understand the paradox and the mystery inherent in spiritual philosophy. Uh, this helps him balance that logistical mind of his, or legalistic mind uh, of his, uh, very analytical, aren't you? Uh, mm-hmm. With his heartfelt attraction to the soul. You know, Jack Canfield, uh, well known for his book, uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul, um, said about his book that it will enrich your life and speak to your soul. And it's available actually on Amazon. Um, if uh, you want to go there. So David's book lays out, you know, you lay out seven principles that can lead to inner affluence, which is really an interesting concept of inner affluence, recognizing how busy people are these days, 
you provided uh, a lot of time-efficient memory aids, I noticed, and to help remember these principles. Uh, and they're not difficult principles uh, at all. I'm, I'm quite surprised. But you're right. People will forget them. Uh, he also provides a lot of practical experiments that you can do quickly. You conduct them for yourself, test them yourself, and you can decide whether these principles uh, work for you to enhance your own life. So, David, tell me more about what you found out. Well, you know, when I can, when I was considering affluence and finding out that the material affluence that I had had acquired wasn't didn't give me complete satisfaction, um, I started thinking. If we notice that reality has two components, physicality and consciousness, and our material wealth is in physicality. So maybe then the something more that might provide more satisfaction is a kind of affluence in consciousness. And that that thought triggers two further questions. First of all, what is consciousness? That's a good question. And then, second of all, how can I create affluence in consciousness? So, turning to, the, to that first question, what is consciousness? We all experience consciousness every day, but our culture is primarily focused on physicality, concerns about material wealth and physical science and technology. Consciousness can be difficult to define and difficult to study and understand precisely because it's not physical. So we can't see it, hear it, or touch it. It may well be that our culture is focused primarily on physicality precisely because it's easier to understand and study because we can see it, hear it, and touch it. And that got, that got me thinking, could there be a way to lever science's understanding of physicality into a better understanding of consciousness? And I found in my experience that the answer is yes. Modern science has, has given us maps and models of, of, re, of physical reality, and I was able to, to take that information and then hypothesize a parallel model of consciousness that if science's map of physicality has certain attributes, is it possible to comp that I can conceive of, make a mental model of consciousness using those same attributes? And I found I was able to do that. When I, when I looked into... You did all this in like one evening sitting or something? No, I did, <laughs> I did it through several years. Several um, years, okay. I, I mean, I've been... Just so we're on track. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, been, I've been meditating for 25 years. Absolutely. And when I got interested in, in modern science, particularly modern physics, I spent several years reading dozens of books because at the outset it was quite confusing. But... But eventually, what I got was, we've long held the, the Newtonian model of physicality. In 1905, Albert Einstein introduced us to relativity theory, which is a completely different model mm. of reality. And then in the 1920s and 30s, the, the original developers of quantum physics showed us yet another model of, of physical reality. So... Modern science has shown that reality is multi-layered. 
we have at least the Newtonian layer, the relativity layer, and the quantum mechanical layer. And it's also paradoxical. What goes on at su the subatomic level is absolutely paradoxical to what I experience in my normal daily life and can see with, with my eyes. And science also shows that this reality is very mysterious. The astrophysicists, and I found this off the NASA website, they say that between dark matter and dark energy, which they know have to exist to get their mathematical equations to balance, <laughs> but they know very little about what it is, dark energy and dark matter combine to make up 95% of the universe. So all these pictures of the stars and galaxies and planets that we see from the Hubble Space Scope, that's showing us 5% of what the universe is. Wow. So science shows that this this universe is mysterious. So to help me to help me remember what I was learning about modern science, because th this totally blew away my my concept of of physical reality. For the first 54 years of my life, I thought I understood what physical reality was, just because every day I got up, the house was in the same place, I walked to work, and it, it worked every day. I hate when I get up and they move the house. <laughs> <laughs> At the quantum level, stuff can, stuff can move. There's a joke, how does, how does a quantum physicist cook turkey dinner? He waits 30,000 years for a turkey to spontaneously arrive in the oven because given enough time, it will. <laughs> Give it, yeah, so yeah. Now it'll disappear three milliseconds later, which is a problem, but. <laughs> but okay. and, and, and so the, studying the modern science upended my previous notion of, of physical reality and showed there's a lot more. To, to reality than I had imagined. And this was able to open my mind because I had been, I'd, I got into a, a very agitated place at a time in my life when I was going through divorce. And I got introduced to meditation at that time. And meditation was very helpful for calming down my agitation. Mm -hmm. And the same people that were teaching me meditation we're also talking about spiritual principles. So I thought, oh, okay, if they know about this meditation stuff that helps, I'll pay attention to what they're saying about spiritual principles. But it was confusing to me because a lot of the spiritual principles like all is one and everything is love, that was very different than my daily experience at working at the law firm. <laughs> and it seemed to be a contradiction to me and I had difficulty, I thought, if these spiritual principles are so far different from my daily life, could they possibly be true? Right. But then when I studied the quantum physics, quantum physics is way, way different than my ordinary daily life. And yet it has the support of the agreement of the scientific community. So it was very helpful to me because I realized that what I had, what I had been putting up as an objection to spiritual principles that it's different than my daily life, that objection doesn't hold water in the quantum age because we know, we now know that reality, the full breadth of reality is way, way different than our ordinary daily experience. Absolutely. We shouldn't should even wrap our head around what that would be like. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and so as,
as I was studying the, the science, I had to rewrite or redraw my map of reality so that, so that I could hold it in mind. I was learning amazing new things that was expanding my perception of reality, and I wanted, I wanted to keep it. I didn't want to uh, let it fritter away out of, out of my awareness. So I had to make myself memory aids to keep track of it. And one was a, a, a little slogan that I made to remind me of five attributes of reality that modern science shows. That it's multi-layered, it's paradoxical, it's mysterious, and it extends beyond the reach of our five senses and extends beyond common sense. So, and to help me memorize, remember that, I just contracted it to the acronym MPM, multi-layered, paradoxical, and mysterious, and beyond, beyond the five senses now, okay, and common David, sense. I want you to know that I went through in my mind every single science class I ever took for what was MPM. And then I discovered that this is your an acronym for your discoveries. <laughs> yeah, yes, it, it, my, I'm like, what am I missing here? Right. Uh, it, it, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying that you'll find a scientist, scientist tech book that say, that has the it MPM makes total acronym sense. Multi-layered M, paradoxical P, mysterious M, and beyond. Yeah, exactly. I just I just had to let you know that. It threw me a big, big wallop. Right, and it, it's it's <laughs> it's it, it's it's just a memory aid I made up for myself so that I could keep track of of these of these new things that that science uh, was showing me. And the 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 great benefit that I found was, you know, I asked myself if science if science shows that reality has these five attributes. Well, if they're attributes of physicality, then they have to be attributes of reality, because physicality is a subset of reality, so if it's got those attributes, reality has to have them. Consciousness is also a subset of reality, so if reality has those five attributes, I can at least make the reasonable speculation, might consciousness also have these five attributes? Can I make a mental model of consciousness that makes sense and that I can and that I can test out in my experience. If I think of consciousness this way, of being mysterious, paradoxical, multi-layered, and extending beyond my five senses and common sense, can I use that mental map of consciousness and is it of any benefit to me if I do that? And the experience I found is that it I can do that and it is very helpful to me. And one of the reasons I wrote the book was I wanted to share these observations with others so that they could run their own experiment of, of testing out, is this map of consciousness of any usefulness to them? Oh, I think it's interesting. Um, you know, everyone's running their own tests on reality. There was a great play, just, we're just going to go to break in a minute. There was a great play uh, that Lily Tomlin, it was a one-woman show she was in, written by Jane Wagner, called The Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe. And in it, they said, you know, she poses a question. Trudy was the, was the main character. It was the bag lady. Uh, and she had this, you know, which, which is wonderful. Uh, and she narrated basically through all these other characters and said, you know, what, what's reality? Nothing more than a collective hunch. And I've never, I love that line. I mean, we, it's just that we've agreed that this is what reality is. So we're still testing. Yeah. On that note, while we're testing uh, our microphones, uh, we're going to be uh, breaking away here for uh, a break. 
Uh, we'll be back in a couple of minutes. I'm here with uh, David Bryan and Dr. Jan Hill, and I'm Gord Riddell on things worth considering. We'll be back. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. What makes someone successful in their field? On Transformational Energy Leadership, Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey speaks to amazing guests who share their ideas, advice, tips, and tricks as to what defines success for them. The result is positive transformation for you. You'll learn that personal energy is the key to make it work. And you'll hear through actual examples how to bring that positive transformation to life. Listen live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back. Uh, I'm Gord Riddell, uh, here with Dr. Jan Hill on uh, Voice America Talk Radio. Um, we're here with uh, David Bryan. He's the author of Seven Principles of the Affluent Soul. And we've been talking about ideas of consciousness and reality and physicality and all kinds of interesting things we're learning about. David, tell us more. So, um, you know, before the break, we, we mentioned how my my study of modern science had shown me that physical reality was far different than I had previously thought that it was. And to keep track of this information, I made up a, a little slogan uh, to remind myself 
Uh, I called it my MPM and beyond model of reality just to help myself remember that physical reality is multi-layered, paradoxical, and mysterious, and it extends beyond the reach of my five senses, and it extends beyond common sense. You know, Robert Oppenheimer, nuclear physicist who headed up the Manhattan Project, he mm. wrote a book, and he chose to entitle his book, Science is Uncommon Sense. <laughs> and when I encountered that book, that title really struck me. I thought, whoa, that's right. The, the stuff I'm reading about science really is common sense. And if Robert Oppenheimer is going to say science is uncommon sense, I'm not going to disagree with All right. that. <laughs> and so what I, what I then wanted to experiment with is could I use these five attributes of physical reality and turn that into a map of consciousness? And if I did that, would there be benefit? So could I make a map of consciousness that was multi-layered? And the fact is, yes, that's easily done. Many meditative traditions and spiritual philosophies talk about consciousness as having the level of the human personality, where we all appear to be separate from each other, but also having the level of soul, where that, that separation becomes a lot softer and there's a lot more interconnection. And Many philosophies also postulate a layer of consciousness that's an absolute oneness, the unity consciousness at source. Hmm. So it's easy to come up with a map of consciousness that is multi-layered. And could this map have the attribute of being paradoxical? Well, yes, it does. Because the, the, the reality of what soul experience is like can appear to be very paradoxical to our daily experience during those moments when we're considering our, ourselves to be only a separate personality, to be nothing more than a separate personality. The kind of thoughts that come into my head during moments when I think I'm only separate as compared to the types of thoughts that are typical of soul consciousness, they're most definitely paradoxical. And the experience that many people report from having near-death experiences, they give us a lot of information that we can use to formulate um, a map or a model of what soul consciousness may be like. And then the, the attribute of mystery, which in physicality comes from, among other things, dark matter and dark energy, if I try to apply that attribute to consciousness, well, Absolutely. Every spiritual tradition and religion speaks of the mystery of, of existence and that the broad scope of consciousness is absolutely has a, has a, a ton of mystery in, inherent with it. And then the, the fourth attribute of my map of physicality, that it extends beyond the reach of my five senses, well, Broader consciousness obviously does that. We, we can't see, touch, or hear our soul. So it's quite, quite easy to find that this attribute of the map applies to consciousness. And similarly with what we call common sense. Common sense, all, all we really mean by that phrase is experiences that we all have in common. 
which tend to correspond to the experience of our of our five senses because that is what we all have in common but the the experience of our soul goes beyond that it goes beyond both the five senses and it goes beyond these notions of of common sense it in in our materialistic culture there there is an idea that's quite prevalent that this body we have gets to live for about 80 years and then it dies and consciousness just fades to black that's <laughs> that there are many individuals for whom this idea is a commonsensical idea mm-hmm. and and the whole the whole notion of 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 a soul layer of consciousness goes beyond that notion of common sense. And there, I mean, there's a, a lot of you know people like um, who who are will try and tell that anyone who's had like a near death experience or the things that they experienced during that time period before coming back was it's just bunk. You know, it's nothing more than you know you're, the last of the electricity. Your brain's firing out. There's no more fuel left. That it's going kind of a little bit crazy. Uh, there's there's not a huge amount of support around uh, people who have had these experiences. Yes, and I, I, I think <clears throat> there is there is a growing movement. Certainly, I know I know in the states there's the afterlife conference, mm-hmm. which is quite fascinating. It, when when it comes down to individual experience and individual, for example, trying to share their experience with their friends or family, it, I, I would imagine it can be quite a common experience to encounter a lot of resistance to it. Mm. But if you look at the studies that have been done on near-death experiences, they number in the thousands. Absolutely. And there's a very great commonality of some attributes that are the same in the in the stories told by thousands of people who've had near-death experiences. Very commonly, people report a sense of leaving their body and traveling elsewhere in a non-physical realm, being drawn towards an attractive, beautific white light, an overall sense of the experience being peaceful and delightful, encountering a benevolent guide who accompanies and informs them, receiving massive amounts of illuminating information through a telepathic or thought transfer process, being informed that it's required that they return to their body and continue physical life, often accompanied with an explanation such as, it's not yet your time, or to complete your purpose. Being informed that it will not be possible to retain and remember all they've learned once they return to their body. An overall sense that everything is okay a strong sense of the overriding importance of love and a loss of the fear of physical death. Mm. Not every single person who reports a near-death experience reports all of these features, but in thousands and thousands of cases, many of these These features are, are repeated over and over again. So for me, I don't need to ask myself the question, do these reports of near-death experience prove that every case is true? I just ask myself, can I plausibly use this, this information as a model of what soul consciousness might be like? 
and then run an experiment in my own life, if, if, I, if I take these reports as a model and I say, I'm going to run the experiment of acting as if consciousness has a soul layer to it and that what it is like is something kind of sort of like what near-death experience people mm-hmm. report, if I adopt that provisional belief as a hypothesis and then run the experiment, what is my life like when I carry this idea? Does it, does it help my life? Do I get any benefit or, or it, does it improve my life in any way? I've been running this experiment for years now and the results of my own personal experience are consistently, yes, this running this experiment helps me. And, um, and benefit is useful even when truth is unprovable. True. That's a great statement. Right? Like, uh, we, we, um, we, we live in a, a society where often this notion, this notion of prove it comes up. Well, I spent 30 years working in law, and proof and evidence and, and admissibility of evidence and standards of proof is something that I'm very, very familiar with. Mm-hmm. Strict proof is almost impossible to accomplish. That's why criminal cases, the standard of proof is proof beyond a reasonable doubt. They, the, you can convict someone even with some measure of doubt as long as it's beyond reasonable doubt. That's because absolute strict proof is almost impossible to accomplish. And the trademark cases that I was working on when I was working as a trademark agent, they have even a lower standard of proof. It's called the balance of probabilities, which just means a 51% likelihood. So although, although this idea, prove it, it can be cavalierly expressed in our society. Proof, strict proof, is actually extremely difficult to come by. And there, and in for in, in science, there are zones of unprovability. Mm-hmm. They don't know what the inside of a black hole is like. They don't know what the dark matter is like. They don't know what the dark energy is like. This universe has zones of unprovability. And so does consciousness. There are aspects of consciousness that may or may not be true, but they're not provable. But the fact that they're not provable does not establish that they are not true. And what we can do is we can form, we can take the advice of science, which is also the advice of Buddha, and use the methodology, formulate a hypothesis, conduct an experiment, and then assess the experimental results. In physical science, experiments can be conducted aimed at, is this accurate or is this true? Because consciousness has such large zones of unprovability, it makes more, recognizing that large areas of consciousness are zones of unprovability, it doesn't make logical, rational sense to make provability the standard. So what standard can we test for? We can test for, is this beneficial? Is this helpful? Does it, is it, does it serve any 
beneficial usefulness in my life. You know, back to usefulness is beneficial even when truth is unprovable. Or everybody else says that, you know, you're crazy to be doing this. <laughs> or whatever it is, right? Sure, sure, you know? sure that, that everybody gets to conduct their own experiments in life. And <laughs> the, um, this, this is the advice of science as to how to, how to approach matters, hypothesize, experiment, and express, assess the experimental results. And that's what Buddha advocated as, as well. So with both science and Buddha advocating this process, I'm willing to go with it and conduct my own experiments with that process. And I have done that, and I have found that the, the multi-layered, paradoxical, and mysterious model of consciousness that serves very well as a model of physicality, I have found that in my own life, it serves me very well as a, as a model of consciousness. And it allows me to both think of myself and experience myself as not only a separate human personality, but also an interconnected soul. And this helps my life because if I was only a separate personality, then life would only be about conflict and competition and adversarialism. Mm-hmm. And you mean it's not? It's not only about that. There's. It obviously is a big feature of our culture. And for, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> and and for and for people and for people who only think of themselves as separate personalities, this approach to life can sound sensible. But they're not paying attention to the fact that science has shown that this reality is multi-layered, paradoxical, and mysterious. And if you take these lessons of science seriously, and you apply them logically to the rest of reality, which means consciousness, it becomes very logical, rational, and reasonable to hypothesize that consciousness has these three attributes as well. And that means consciousness is multi-layered and that the soul actually exists. And it is a reasonable thing to conduct an experiment on this in your own life and see what results you get yep. and assess your own experimental results. Now, I have to catch you here. We are uh, uh, going for a break. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of minutes. I want to know what these uh, seven principles are when we come back. Okay. I want to make sure I've got an affluent soul happening here. All right. All right. Um, so I'm uh, uh, here at uh, Voice of America Talk Radio. This is Things Worth Considering. Well, I'm here with our guest, David Bryan. Uh, we're here with Dr. Uh, Jan Hill, and I'm Cord Riddell, and we will be right back after these messages. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. 
This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll-free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. The White House Doctor makes house calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back. Uh, this is Gordon Dell at uh, Things Worth Considering. Uh, we're here with David Bryan and uh, Jan and myself, and we're in, having a great conversation uh, as uh, David is teaching us here all about the uh, consciousness and its multi-layered multiplicity of physicality, of all of those wonderful words. Uh, this is fascinating. So listen, tell me about the seven principles, the title of your book. Okay, well, um, these, these seven principles are, what I wanted to do was provide myself with an easy way to remember a lot of the ideas that I'd experienced in in studying spiritual philosophy. It was easy to sort of get lost in it, and I wanted to create a memory aid that would allow me to access and use the information quickly when I needed it in my daily life if I was getting upset or frustrated or something. So the first principle, which is the foundation of everything else, is to expand awareness. That that the the more my awareness is expanded, the more information I let in, the the better off I am. And like stop saying no, get outside the box and be open. Yes, and meditation helps with this as a as a practice of expanding awareness and contemplation and self-witnessing. Look at what's going on in 
in my consciousness as it happens. When I get triggered into reactivity, notice that by expanding mm -hmm. my awareness so that I can see that happening. These are all uh, some of the of the ways to expand right. awareness usefully. Stop reacting. Yes. Yeah. What's number two? Number two is to identify as multi-layered multi consciousness. We, what I mean by identification, we all carry some idea of I am. I am what? What is it that I think that I am? It's very easy to think that I'm only a physical body or only a separate human personality. It's what's really helpful to me is to remember that I am multi-layered consciousness. I am simultaneously a human personality and an interconnected soul and the a unified source layer of consciousness. And I'm all of those things at the same time. Do you get tired? Um, <laughs> you know what? What I found is... Is where you're disconnected, you get tired. Yeah, it, it, I, can, I can either be tired by sort of pushing myself to expand my awareness, or I can get tired by being stressed out all the time. Mm, how true. And that energy is going to go one of those two places. And I've experienced my energy going to being stressed out all the time, and I've experienced my energy going to expanding my awareness. And... Mm. Expanded awareness is a lot more fun and it's a lot happier than being stressed out all the time. I think sometimes, too, when you expand awareness, it depersonalizes particular situations. So a lot of the energy that one would spend, you know, in this hardcore kind of this is happening to me kind of mm. energy just dissipates, right? And you take that step back, you go inward, you take a look. When, when you can recognize that the separate the separate layer of consciousness is the only isn't yeah. the only layer. Yes, it depersonalizes things, and now my ego identity is not at stake for winning this <laughs> argument. If I can see that I and the other person in the argument are more than just those personalities, that diffuses the tension involved in the disagreement. Hmm. Hmm. What about number three? Number number three is to feel soul through my heart. My my separate my experience has been that my separate human personality tends to live in my head and to be experienced as thought. If I want to connect with my soul and to make experiencing my soul part of my lived reality, I have to get my awareness, sink it from my head yeah. and sink it down <clears throat> into my chest. Because it's through can I, can my I tell heart you, that I can experience my soul. Can I tell you the, the, the sort of the metaphor that I use when, when uh -huh. I'm teaching is, you know, the creator gave us this incredible mansion to live in. Right. Our body. And what we do is we take this little tiny room at the top of the staircase yes. and we hide out in there and we look and we see if everything's going on and what's, who's coming near us and who's going where and so on. And all the time we have this whole mansion that no one's moving around in. And it's like, let's take ownership of this mansion that was created for us uh -huh. from the, our toes right to our head. It's a metaphor here. Yeah. Uh, and get out of that head, move down from that little room at the top, which is so destructive. So many people just think their way into insanity. It's just mm -hmm. horrible. Uh, but that's, that's the metaphor that I've always used is, yeah. you know, move back into that mansion Yeah, and, because and it was given to you. 
living throughout the whole mansion, that's expanding it's awareness. It's so grounded. It's yes. so, it's a totally different place to view the world from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. I just needed to give you that one. Yeah, that's great. one of my favorite ones, actually. Great. Yeah. Four. So, so the, the, the fourth principle of the affluent soul is empowerment through choice. When I have expanded my awareness and connected with my soul, I can empower myself by realizing I have a much wider range of choice, both of my actions and my thoughts and my feelings, once I have expanded both my awareness and my identification in this way. Mm -hmm. It is much more empowering to be aware of myself as this broader consciousness than very often when when my... uh, Awareness is constricted only to ego awareness. That's when I get agitated and defensive. And that perspective is actually disempowering me by constricting my range of choices. But if I can expand my awareness and my self-identification and live in all the mansion, all the mm-hmm. rooms of the mansion, then my range of choice gets wider. Yeah, so and that's true. empowering. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on this one. Yeah. And then the the fifth principle of the affluent soul is to express authenticity. There's 7 billion human beings on this planet. Why so many? Guess who's coming to dinner? so many of us here? (laughs) It's, It's because broad consciousness is expanding its own awareness of itself through the multiplicity of all of us. And each of us have something unique to contribute to to the overall experience of of consciousness. So, there in our society, we receive pressures sometimes from others to conform, but our soul's purpose venerates and honors each of our unique authenticity and yes wants for it rebelliousness. To be <laughs> No to conformity. Uh, I would not be here today if it was for conformity. <laughs> uh, I have to agree with you on that one. Dave. My, you see, my 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 contribution is actually to poke holes in everybody and just tickle them. I just want people to laugh. Yes, yeah. I'm very simplistic, but authentic. Authentically simplistic. Authentically simplistic. I love that with gratitude, and which is number six. It is to is to appreciate with gratitude. As, as we're, we're talking about this idea of affluence in consciousness, appreciation is the currency of affluence in consciousness. In physicality, it's money that is the currency. But in consciousness, appreciation is the currency. And this relates also to our, our, our material wealth. If I own a possession and pay good money for it, but I put it in a box and put it in a pile of boxes in my basement and forget that I even own it, there's no appreciation of it. That's, that, is, that object is not functioning as affluence, either material mm. or consciousness. It's True. O- only what is given appreciation is in fact any form of wealth or abundance or affluence. And when we 
appreciate what we have that naturally gives rise to gratitude and the state of gratitude is so enjoyable that it is itself a form of affluence to feel gratitude is itself a form of wealth and we there's in the book i talk about different different kinds of gratitude mm-hmm. we can feel grateful about something specific that we like or that if so, if something happens and we really we really like it then there's spontaneous gratitude that arises that's fine but we can also do intentional gratitude and people with gratitude journals or or consciously having a practice of gratitude that makes gratitude more frequent in your life you're not waiting for something to trigger it you're triggering it yourself and you can do that with things that you like a broader approach is what i call universal gratitude and that is intentional gratitude applied to everything not only the things that i like right and there's a lot of studies in gratitude in terms of mental health that with depression and uh, anxieties and so on uh, disorders that you know gratitude is really a tool now um, that's being used in in, uh, in mental health care and it's an important tool as well and just you, to our happiness yes you know and that you, is affluence and you don't have to wait for a reason you can cultivate it intentionally and get more benefit by doing it that way absolutely yeah. absolutely so the seventh principle is to is to love in harmony and a course in miracles makes a distinction with what it calls special love in our in our culture of romantic love we set or or a love of family we we take certain people we make them special people in our lives and we direct a special kind of love towards them what i mean by love in harmony is different Mm-hmm. and it's based on the interconnections at the soul layer if we are all interconnected consciousness at the soul layer and if we all have a common source of consciousness that means there is a structural harmony in consciousness and it just makes sense for us to give a a i call it loving harmony Buddhists call it loving kindness. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's 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 a it's a kind of love which is perhaps softer and gentler than special love or romantic love. It doesn't have the intensity of or the expectations or, or the, the expectations. all of those things. Yeah. It's a, it's a it's a very gentle, positive feeling that can be given that that is possible to extend towards anyone, even strangers not because you know them or you have a special relationship or they've done something for you but simply because you acknowledge that their consciousness at some level or layer is not disconnected from mine and that's the basis a structural basis of what i call loving harmony right yeah i, I like that uh, that idea i really like your principles i can live with those principles actually well i i mean I, <laughs> it i've i formulated it to be a memory aid to help me because i'd studied a lot of spiritual philosophy and gone on a lot of meditation retreats and i wanted to capture 
what I was gaining. And I find I need to be able to remember things in order to be able to benefit from them. Absolutely. So the, I formulated the seven principles. And in the book, I, I give a fast memory aid relating the seven principles to the seven days of the week. And there's a one-page chart in the book that people can use to remember these principles and easily memorize them so that in a short amount of time, the usefulness of these principles becomes available and people can use it to benefit their life in a time-efficient way because everybody's very busy these days and they need tools that can work quickly. Exactly. Yeah. I like the fact of having little memory joggers along the, along the way there. You know, uh, you know, you found these experiments that worked, uh, you know, as you said, provided benefit. I, that's, uh, you know, a, a good a good word for it. Uh, so he's hoping that, uh, you know, our listeners will also try some of these things. Uh, his book is available, uh, The uh, Seven Principles of the Affluent Soul. It is available through um, uh, Amazon. And uh, his name is David Bryan. Uh, David, thank you so much for coming. It's a great pleasure. Thank it was you great. For uh, me. Yeah, we just had some really interesting stuff to talk about today. Uh, so you know, so many. Uh, I've always seen that money, you know, is is really a physicalized form of love. Mm-hmm. You know that my experience has been that with the core belief is that they're unlovable or that there's not enough love in the world for them that they are going to have money problems. Mm. And I think there's a real correlation between those two. Mm. Uh, so. Now, I'd like to, uh, this is our, our show for, for um, this week. Um, if you're in the Toronto area on uh, Friday, March the 8th, uh, I'd like to uh, invite you to come out and meet uh, uh, David and I, uh, we'll, and even Jan's going to come. I'm uh, going to be there. All right, at the Transformational Arts College at 3300 Young Street is our Compassion Energy Circle. It begins at 7 p.m. I'll be giving a lecture, and uh, uh, David's a wonderful healer. Uh, he's with the Chopra uh, Deepak Chopra uh, Institute. He's certified by them and by me. So uh, come on out. Uh, it's a, f- a free event, and uh, w- but we're definitely open to taking donations. So have a great week, and we look forward to seeing you next week when we're going to be talking about the inevitable aging. Thanks, Jan. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jan Hill and Gord Riddell, for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are.